for those that aren't aware, we've got a theme this year. It's battle ready. We didn't realise that that was almost prophetic. <laughs> that we've had, and, and for those that aren't aware as well, next year we're having a theme of rolling in the blessings. Um, <clears throat> so praise the Lord. Um, there's a lot of battles going on at the moment in people's lives. And um, praise the Lord, we have such a great anchor in the Lord that he's our hope, he's our direction, he gives us peace, he comforts us, and of course he heals, protects us, and provides for us. And it's just such a wonderful position that we find ourselves in. But it's not by chance that that's happened. We have decided that we want to stick with the Lord, and the Lord has blessed his people, as he said, right from the beginning. He said, if you follow me and my ways, you will be blessed. You will be looked after. Um, you will be carried through in this life, and praise the Lord for that. And, of course, Romans 8.31 says to us, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And praise the Lord, we're really seeing that at the moment, that in our time of need, the Lord is with us. He's with his spirit-filled, saved people. He's rescued them. He's pulled them out of, of this world. And I guess uh, just carrying on from some of the thoughts we've had this year, I want to talk about staying on target. One of the things, because I've got a vast military background, which consists of a Nerf war and some paintball, um, it's about being accurate. You can have all the weapons in the world in your battle and you can, and you can uh, uh, you know, and have all the skill, but if you're not accurate, it kind of, it really, it does, it kind of doesn't work. And I guess the story in the Bible is, is there's this particular word that God uh, uses to describe his, his situation and his relationship with man, and that is a word called sin. And the word sin means to be separated. And it can mean, in the Greek, it can mean to miss the mark or to be inaccurate. And that's really what sin is. It's a distance between God's ways and man's ways. And um, I guess the great thing is that when the Lord pulls you in and you are born again, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized by water, have a repentant heart that you want to follow the Lord and you recognize that his ways are a little bit better than yours. Like I always like to say, he knows a little bit about life because he created it. And uh, when we align ourselves with that thinking, then the Lord causes us to be on target because he's there with us making sure that we're accurate in the way that we uh, um, fulfill and, and deploy his word in our life. And praise the Lord for that because without him, we'd still be missing the mark. Praise the Lord. So I want to talk today a little bit about um, setting, setting a target. And I was talking with um, someone this week about, um, had a session at work about goal setting. And that's always a fun time at work, not? And uh, the boss starts saying, right, what are your goals? What are you going to, where do you going to want to be in the next five years? And uh, it was really interesting. And it's a great concept. Sometimes it's a good thing to think about, even in your own natural life, to set some plans and say, yeah, we want to, we want to go to, we want to go to Samoa and have an outreach. We want to go to Fiji Rally, all these sorts of things. And that's a great thing. But really, when you boil it down to it, when you boil it down, our target is to be with the Lord, is to live forever. That is our target. That is what we're aiming for. That is the mark that we are headed for. And that is the principal thing in our life, to be right with the Lord. And when his son returns, is that we're called up to meet him in the air. That is our target. And everything else... I'm going to go for a big word because we've got a brother here who's really smart he, and top 10%. Superfluous. There you go. Just threw that out there. It's more than two syllables, so I'm doing pretty well at this early in the morning. Brilliant. 
Everything else doesn't mean anything to us. It's all extra stuff. If our sole focus is to meet the Lord in the air, then we will, we will do whatever the Lord says. Jesus said to us, if you love me, keep my commandments. Love him. We talked about it the other week about protecting the lentils. You're not going to defend anything unless you love it. And we love the Lord. We want to be with him. And we love um, this thought of meeting him in the air. So let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Go there to start. We'll start by setting the target. 4 and in verse 16, we'll just pick it up here. This great chapter, but it says here, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. It's a great promise in this. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's the target. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's our encouragement to each other. Brothers, sisters, let's keep our target on being with the Lord forever, rising to meet him. Let us rearrange our priorities in our lives that this is the thing that we are headed for, that we're aiming for it. And the Lord says that to us when we first come in contact with him. He says, repent. The word means to turn away from your way of thinking and recognize that God's is right, to align yourself with him. It says to believe on Jesus Christ, which means to, to trust, rely, and obey what he says. It says to confess Jesus Christ. That means to say the same thing as him. And when we do those things, we align ourselves with this target that we are going to meet the Lord in the air. Um, and that's our desire. That's our primary goal. Uh, Philippians 3, this is a concept that Paul introduces. Well, not Paul introduces it, but he, he certainly reiterates it to his letters to the churches and kind of brings a level of focus because sometimes, I guess, even when we look at our own life at the moment, there's lots of things going on in people's lives, lots of challenges. Sometimes we can be distracted about what our end goal is. These things come into play and, and, and start to, <clears throat> to cloud our thoughts about we want to make it with the Lord and we will do whatever it takes. And Paul says um, some, some things here in uh, Philippians 3 and verse 13. He says, Behold, uh, oh no, it doesn't say that. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. He's talking about his salvation. He's saying, I've set my sights on something that is to come, the return of my Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, I'd, I'd, I, I, he says, guys, I don't really understand anything except one thing. This is the primary thing in my life is that I want to make it with the Lord. And he goes on and says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. He set his target. He said, I press towards the mark, the target of meeting his Lord and Savior. And then he goes on and says, let us therefore, 
as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Those that are complete have this mind. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. And this is a great time. This is our communion meeting this morning. And we're encouraged to remind ourselves of uh, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us, who brings us um, through his blood and his broken body, brings us in alignment with God's word. And it says that we should do that until Jesus Christ returns. So when we come together to take communion, we're making a statement to publicly and to ourselves that this is a temporary measure. One day, Jesus Christ will return and communion will be no longer because we will see him face to face and we see him as he is. There'll be no need for us to be reminded anymore as forgetful humans because we will be with him. That's the encouragement of the word. So when we come here to, today to remember the body and uh, the broken body and the spilt blood of Jesus Christ, we also remember his return, the target. What we're aiming for, our salvation. And it goes on and says, uh, Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. That's really saying that let's let's stay together, together unified in the thought that we are getting closer and closer to the time where we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ, as promised in the Word, that we will be um, we will secure eternal life. It says, "Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example." So again, he's saying. You're going to have people that I'm going to put within, within your circle of influence that are going to be good examples for this in the church. He said, I'm going to place people there. He said, and they're going to encourage you to stay on track to meet the Lord. And he goes on to say why. He says, uh, for many walk if, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross whose end is destruction. It's talking about people who have lost their focus, who all of a sudden it's, ah, actually, maybe the Lord's coming back. Maybe it's way down the track. I'm just going to live life as I feel I should now, and then I'll, I'll maybe get right with the Lord at the end when it looks like he's coming back. Or they might have just gone, you know what, I can't be bothered waiting anymore, or so on and so on. And I guess these attitudes can, can come in. And he says, whose end is their destruction, whose God is their own belly their own desires and their own. They've set new targets and trying to reach different goals now that really only satisfy themselves. And it says, and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. And it goes on to say, for our conversation or the way we conduct ourselves, it's as if we are in heaven already. So he's kind of saying to them, play the game like you've already won. Play the game, live your life like you already have the victory. That you're already on your way, that you're already are that straight arrow that's going to hit the target. Um, from whence also we look for our Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to even subdue all things unto himself. So he's saying there, the Lord's desire is, his target is you as well. 
And we read that, don't we, particularly in John 17, where Jesus talks about us and his care for us and the fact that he knew he was going to um, die, that we could have an opportunity to be aligned with the Father. And it's his desire. You were his target. When he was on the cross, he was thinking of you. He was thinking of, of, uh, of you, of purchasing you. So we see here this concept there of, of pressing towards this mark as to making that the number one thing in our life. Psalm 37, and in verse, oh, we'll start in verse 3, because that's pretty cool. It says there, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. It's a good bit of advice. The Lord will take care of his own. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. That's pretty cool. Now, that's not talking about Lamborghinis and the latest Fender or, or something that might be, you know, you might, you might like and, and enjoy. It's not talking about, oh, yeah, if I'm a good boy, the Lord's going to give me PlayStation 5. I don't know what, what it is. It's talking about the desires for him and for spiritual things. And if your desire is set on him and you want to meet the Lord in the air, then it will happen. Then the Lord will rescue you and he will give you that desire. It says, commit your way in verse 5 unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He's saying, I'm with you on this one, guys. If your desire and your passion is to be with me, well, that's where you will be. I will come to you, Jesus said, in the form of the Holy Ghost. And when we receive that Holy Ghost, it says it comes and abides in us. So when we've received that Holy Spirit, the Lord says, I'm with you guys. Commit yourself. Let your desire be to meet me face to face. Let that be your desire. And it will come to pass. It goes on and says, And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Again, sometimes we can get distracted and we can say, Hey, hang on a minute. How come that guy's getting everything he wants? I got looked over for that job and I was the best guy there. And they subbed me off in my indoor cricket game and whatever you tiddlywinks and, and I'm missing out and that guy's doing the wrong thing and, and I'm missing out. Ah. The Lord's saying, don't get worried about those things because those people's targets is somewhere else. Their desires are set in a different hemispheric place. They're not, they're set here and they'll stay here. Ours are set in the heavens. He's saying, don't, don't get anxious about those things. He said, just rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Don't, don't worry about other people. Know where you're headed. Know what your target is. He says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself in any wise to do evil. Because that's what often comes, isn't it? I mean, I've, I'm, we're, all, we're all human and at times 
we get a bit frustrated about things not going our way. I can't believe this isn't going my way. I'm a bit, I'm a bit angry. I want this to go my way. And the Lord's trying to, I guess, at times he's trying to teach us that this is all temporal stuff. Don't fret about this gear here. It's going to last for maximum 100 years if you're lucky. He's saying, set your sights on the things that are eternal. Don't get angry about this stuff. Don't sweat over the small stuff. But be ready to meet me when I return. And it goes on and he says, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. That's talking about the time when Jesus Christ returns and he sets up his government. He sets up his rule. It's his time. And we will be part of his executive team, if you like. We will be ruling and reigning as kings and priests with God. That is, that is a promise that God has made to us. As his people, wait for that. Let that be what you're waiting on, the Lord's return. It goes on and says, um, For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, you shall diligently consider this place, and it shall not be. This world is temporal. Things come and go. Jesus Christ and God himself is constant, and they will honor the word. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Now, meekness, it's, it's such a cool thing. It's such an awesome fruit of the Holy Spirit. Meekness is, is not about, and we talk about this a lot, because it gets misinterpreted often. Meekness. That's not meekness. Meekness is a strong confidence. It means you don't have to go out there and go, oh yeah, right, and make a lot of noise and, 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 and push yourself into it. It says you are settled and you are strong in your understanding of where you stand. That's what meekness is. It's like I don't need to shout this guy down and win that argument to know what God wants for me. Meekness is going, I am rock steady in my understanding of where I sit with God and I know who I am. That's what meekness is. And it's saying here that those that understand and have their targets set and are focused in on meeting the Lord in the air, it says they will have peace in their life. They'll have abundant peace in their life. They'll have set their eyes on the right things. And that's the great thing, you know. Um, we hear so many testimonies of people just coming up here and having such a surety in their life about why they're here. What's the meaning of life? Why I'm going through these things? You know, just lately we've had a couple of brothers who have had been dealt some serious blows in terms of, 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 of cancer and, and sickness. But boy, oh boy, were they meek. Boy, oh boy, were they sure where they were headed. They were all like, I've been training for this for 40 years. Why would I do anything different? I'm still doing the same thing. They were challenged. Particularly, uh, it, was, it was funny talking with Pastor Brian. He said, yeah, people were coming up going, oh, you're really going to get stuck into prayer now? And he's like, going, what do you mean? I've been praying and, and seeking the Lord with everything that I've got, with all of my desire for 40 years as a spirit-filled Christian. Why would I change that now? 
And that's the surety that we have. This is not emergency room Christianity. <laughs> oh, I'm in the emergency room. Let's start playing. This is people who understand who they who they are and what their calling is. And praise the Lord, that gives us peace. It gives us a peace in our life that no matter what comes against us, we're ready because our target is that we're going to meet the Lord. Amen? That's our target. Um, okay. Matthew 25, let's go there. You're thinking, he has to go there. That's it's a given. So I will, because you're thinking it. Great parable here spoken by Jesus Christ himself in verse 1 of Matthew 25. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were fought, five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Now, in the context of what we're talking about today, They didn't set the target, did they? They didn't stay on target. For whatever reason, whatever reason it might be, they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. And it goes on and says, But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. These guys understood what their purpose, what they were headed for. I don't know whether they had a goal-setting workshop the day before. And had it all planned out. I've got no idea. Maybe they did. Maybe the other guys didn't get the appointment. I, I've got no idea. But there's this concept here of Jesus saying to us that you can be ready or you can be unready. And his encouragement to us is to be ready. And it goes on and says, um, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. So it was this position where very much where we are in. We don't know the day of the Lord. No man knows. But it will come as a thief in the night, the scriptures tell us. And then it goes on and says, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. There's a couple of things, a couple of points I want to make here for us. That all of a sudden, these guys got very dependent on these other people. They were about to be caught out, and they were like, oh, dudes, help me out. And it goes on in verse 9 and says, But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were they were that they were ready, went in and with them, so the marriage and the door was shut. So they missed out. In the Lord, we have to be dependent on our relationship with him. And when we're close with him and we're focused on him, we know he's coming back for us and we're excited and we're ready. and We're ready to go. And at times we can start to put our, our trust and maybe some of our dependencies into the relationships that we might have in and outside the church. 
And the Lord's saying to us here, no, no, you need to be ready. You need to realize that this is about you and the Lord. And you have to take that responsibility to get yourself ready. Yes, the Lord is gracious and he's put this wonderful mechanism in place called the church, the bus. A vehicle to get people from being born again to meeting the Lord in the air. He's saying, yes, there is encouragement there for you, but realize it's up to you. You have to set your targets in your life. You need to be the one that desires to meet him in the Lord. No matter how much Cam desires to, 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 to meet the Lord in the air, I can't rely on his desire for that. I have to have that for myself. And my life and my conduct needs to show that. And by Cam being strong and loving it, and, and the, I want to meet the Lord in the air, he encourages me. And so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. So there's this element here of responsibility to love the Lord, to be passionate about it, to desire it, and to do what you need to do to make sure that you're ready for the Lord. It goes on, it says, and afterward in verse 11, came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he said, verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day that the, um, nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. And there's just this wonderful thought here of often you read this and you think, ah, oh, it's, quite, it's quite negative, but flip it on its head. Look at the guys that were successful here. They just had their eyes solely focused on meeting the Lord. And they made it. And the encouragement to us is to continue to be motivated by your desire to see the Lord face to face. Let that thought reign in your in your heart and your mind. Um, oh, I'm in trouble as always. Uh, Philippians chapter one. I've got a few scriptures here. We'll try and get through some of them. Philippians. Chapter 1 and verse 6. And this is the meekness part of it. It says in verse 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. His desire is for you to be there. The desire of the Lord is to meet you in the air. And Paul's encouragement here to the church at Philippi is, guys, be confident in that. Be confident that the Lord is for you. Be confident that he's called you and you've been rescued from the darkness in this world which blinds people from the joy of understanding that Christ is coming back. Be confident of that. Verse 7, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, uh, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. And he's saying, hey, and I've got this thought towards you. It's the brother's keeper syndrome. I've got a vested interest in you as well to encourage you to also be like-minded and confident. Uh. So be confident in that. Luke 8, 
Chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Uh, 22. And it says, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with the disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Sometimes you think, this is just random. Like, There's a few stories where the Lord said, Hey, just launch out, guys. And they just did it. <laughs> and you think, what's the point in that? But it's like sometimes the Lord says, Sash, go. And you're like, but where am I going? <laughs> Launch the boat. I'm like going, yeah, yeah, but I need to know, you know, how many, how many pairs of shorts I need and how many singlets and whether I need to take my waterproof socks and, and Lord, what do you mean launch out? He said, Sash, just go. I've asked you to go and, and do these things. He said, trust me on this one. And that can play out in our lives in so many different ways. And, it's just great to see the disciples here. They were just like, yep, we'll go. Just like those little, someone was reminding me of that little Looney Tunes dog that used to go, and jump up and down against Spike the big dog. Remember that? Some of the young people have got no idea what Looney Tunes are. Anyway, anyway, just sometimes the Lord just wants us to go, to follow and follow what he says, just like the disciples did here. So they launched out and it says, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of the wind of the lake and they were all filled with water and we're in jeopardy, not the game show. They were in trouble. All of a sudden, there was a storm that came up. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of, of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where's your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commands even the winds and the water to obey him. When our eyes are firmly fixed on the Lord, we know he's in charge. We know who he is. We know who's in our life. We know how the Holy Ghost works in our life. And it's, the Lord is not asleep in our life. That is not, this is not us. We're spirit-filled. The Lord lives in us now through the Holy Ghost. And we know where our faith is. Our faith is in the Master, the One who even the winds and the water obey him. And so God is in charge now in our life. And he wants us to realize that when we go through things in our life, he still wants us to understand that he is in control and that his desire is to see us meet him in the air. He's in charge. And it's about, sometimes it is about focus, isn't it? It's about where we set our eyes. It's like, you know, when your mum and dad taught you how to ride your bike. My dad did it Portuguese styles. Take you to the top of the hill. Right, you ready? Whoa! Ah! Sink or swim. And he gave me one piece of advice. He said, where your eyes are, that's where you'll go. If you look at that tree, that's where you're going to end up. I was like, oh, okay. And of course, it ended badly for me and the tree. But it was true. There's a truth in that. If you set your eyes on the things of this world, that's where you'll end up. If you set your eyes and your desires and your passions on the things that the Lord has set for us in heaven, that's where we're going to end up. <laughs> 
that's the great thing. You know, I always think about we come today together to be encouraged by the Lord and see what he has to say for us and and um, be built up and encouraged for the week and the things that are going to come against us this week. And I think, wow, some people would look at that and go, man, you're crazy. Like, you hear this term these days a lot, oh, it's my Sunday. Well, actually, it ain't yours. You had no part in creating that, <laughs> but it's, it's mine. It's my Saturday. I can't believe you've taken my Saturday. I'm like going, it's not your Saturday. It's, it's a really, it's a funny concept that the world has. And people think, mate, you, you, they're taking up your time. I've heard that a bit lately. Oh, the church, they take all your time. I'm like, no, this is my desire. <laughs> they don't take anything from me. This is where we, we want to be. And like people have had decisions to make today. We all had to do it. We had to get up out of bed and say, do I stay in, make myself a full breakfast, which we'll be able to do soon, by the way. When we go to one thirty meetings, full breakfast, go for it. You know, like there's this, there's this thought of this is our desire. And this is where we set our affections because we know that this meeting right now is investing in your life in a million years. What an investment. But we see that, we know that, and that's why we're encouraged to just Love the things that the Lord has for us. Okay. We're going to have to close up now. So let's go to James 4. You know, we had a great, I was on, I was on Bible class last week. Oh, I love going to Bible class. It's so cool. I learned so much. And you always have lollies, so it's awesome. It was really cool with the, with the guys last week. And we were talking about, you know, um, we were talking about, the scriptures that talk about laying up treasure in heaven, about where your treasure is, that's where you're going to find your heart. That's where you're going to find your time and your, my favorite word, and your passion and your desire is going to be where you've, where you've locked up your treasure. And we had this great discussion about it. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I've got time to go right now. Um, but yeah, here we go. Uh, James 4 and verse 13. It says, go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there again and buy and sell and get gain. It's like the gunner, the gunner people. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and my wife would say that I'm, I'm a lot like that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll clean that up. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I'll sort the garage out. <laughs> She's looking at me, isn't she? Okay. And he's saying, okay, well, we, we, we all do this. And then it says in verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this of that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knows to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So there's a few things in here, but I guess the concept in here that I want to take out in the context of today is make plans for the Lord in your life. Let him set the priorities of your life and align them to him against the day that he comes back. 
is it all lined up that that's where that's the trajectory that we're on to meet the Lord in the air? Let's bring our plans in our life. Just bring them in a little. I have to do that quite often to bring it in and go, is this getting me to meeting the Lord? Is it going to get in the way? If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Yeah, we do stuff. But what's the end game? Are we aligned? Plan our life in the Lord and he will bless it. Lay up your treasure in the things of God and the Lord will return on his investment. Okay, um, let's finish. First uh, Tim. First Tim, chapter 6. What I probably should have said as well is that when the Lord comes back, we read before that it says he comes back with a shout. It says that every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him. This is not a secret rapture stuff. That is, for those that want to talk about that later, happy to go through that with you, but that is actually a Catholic doctrine, the rapture. It was created to circumnavigate revelations which particularly talks about that system. The rapture is a falsity. It's a lie. When the Lord comes back, everyone will see him. Everyone will bow down. Everyone will know that he's here. There's no secret stuff. The Lord doesn't need to come back in secret. It's all his. He's coming back. Here we go. First Timothy 6 and verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. The things that we're doing now is that we will win the war. We have these battles, yes, and some it compare. We, we win, we lose, those sorts of things. But we fight the good fight of faith with the thought that we are going to meet the Lord in the air. And then he says this. Lay hold on eternal life. You get to take it. You get to lay hold on it. It gets to be part of your life now. We're living eternity now if we choose to, if it choose to be a focus in our life. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you art also called. And have professed a good profession before many witnesses. In the Amplified it says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the eternal life which you were summoned and which you confessed the good confession of faith before many witnesses. This is ours now. This is a promise for us. And the Lord's encouraging us to order our lives in a way that this is front and center of our thinking to meet the Lord in the air. It's not just to have a good life. It's not just to have a good life. I, I know people in a, a, who are spirit-filled, people who are walking and doing their very best in the Lord, and their lives on paper aren't that fantastic. 
you want to if you want to add it up and go who's where are we their lives are down here i've sat with these brethren on the floor in their house which is a thatched hut with dirt floors and they don't know what they're having to eat that day and you think wow my life is kind of a bit different to this but their focus is on meeting the Lord in the air, as ours is. It's not just about having a good life. It's about having a great eternity. That's what is about. And our investments now, I've got to turn to a few other scriptures today. In Colossians, it talks about set your affections on eternal things. And you'll be blessed. One scripture to finish. Revelation 21. I couldn't have to go there. Come on, we have to go. We can't not. We can't be talking about the Lord's return and all the great things that the Lord has for us in store and then not read about it. That'd be like having a big chocolate cake out there and just looking at it, wouldn't it? Have we got one? Revelation 21, verse 1. And it says here, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. This is talking about the time where we go into the ages of ages, into the eternities of eternities with the Lord, and he is with us, and we are with him. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that a thirst of the fountain of life freely. And he that overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. This is what we are aiming for. To be in the presence of the Lord for eternity. And you can read on, you can read the rest of 21 and, and 22. And you get this sense, and it's only a sense of this man who had a vision, John, and he's trying his very best to describe what he saw. We have a small glimpse of what of what it's going to be like to rule and reign with the Lord. But let's get excited about it now. Let us plan our lives around that now. Let that help us to stay on the target which we want to hit, and that is to be with the Lord, to be with him forever, and, um, and we'll be his sons and daughters. And all the people said, Amen.